Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch your favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, not to be confused with Girlfriends of Christmas Past, which was the second option on Amazon Prime when I Do you think it was better? Don't know. Tough call. It does have the girl who was like the blind villain on Pretty Little Liars. So potentially... But does it have Christina Milian? Because this has Christina Milian. <laughs> this has a fantastic cast of women who deserve better than this movie. Also, this like, movie was like diversity. What if he abuses a lot of women of different races? Is that diverse? Did we do it? Also, we're going to make the Indian woman say the word karma a lot. We did it. All right. Also, should- Noreen DeWolf is h- a hilarious comedic actress. Is that and, the woman who plays his assistant slash ghost yes. of Christmas present? Yes. She's in a lot of the, um, what's that group that's like Ken Marino and Joe Latrulio. The, um, the party down guys. Yeah. They haven't, they're like their, their troop has a name, but anyway, she's done a lot of stuff with them. Like she was in, we did it. They came together and like, what's that guy's name that does those movies? Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas is the creator of Party Down and Veronica Mars. No, who's the writer that wrote like What Hot American Summer and they came together and. This is embarrassing. He's very famous. Mm-hmm. He's very that. famous. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we like had a whole conversation about him when we did. They came together. <sighs> They're kicking me out of comedy as I'm Googling David Wayne and Michael Showalter. Yes. So she's in a lot of their stuff. So like and we talked about this when they came together, like not always my brand of comedy, but like takes a very specific timing and like Brantlin, like a very smart comedic actress and very good comedy, even if it's not like for you. Right. She's done dirty by this movie. I, I name a woman who isn't wait. Okay. Ghost of girlfriends pass came out in 2009, which you wouldn't believe based on how many times the gay slur F word is uttered. Um, it holds a generous 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's directed by Mark Waters, The Mean Girls and Freaky Friday King, and written by uh, John Lucas and Scott Moore. It stars Matthew McConaughey in a Texas accent that the, the kid who plays him as a child doesn't have, nor does Breckenmeyer, who plays his brother, have. So we imagine he gained a Texas accent somewhere in his early 20s. Jennifer Gardner. I could not get out of my head that these two people will go on to be in a movie where they get nominated for Oscars because apparently they needed to really prove themselves. He won an Oscar for the second movie those two did together. Luckily, not this one. It was also offensive to gay people. Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. I forget she's in that. There's a bad trans joke in this, which we'll get to. um, There's a couple. And it's foreshadowing to how... um, what's his piece of shit face will go on to play a trans woman in uh Dallas Buyers Club. Jared Leto. Thank you. And now he's in a movie doing fat face, which I'm going to watch. I'm going to get high and watch because apparently it's pretty bad. House of Gucci. Anyway, this movie, I'm not even near done listing the cast. Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Gardner, uh, Michael Douglas, Breckenmeyer, Lacey Chabert, Oh, because Mark Waters did Mean Girls and then this with her. I get mm. it. Christina Milian. Name the woman you just said because I didn't look at her. Noreen DeWolf. Noreen DeWolf. Emma Stone. Yeah. We're missing. Le- I think that's probably like the primary cast. There's some other. The, the lead from Gotta Kick It Up, the classic Disney Channel original movie, yes. who plays her one, the like, so the plot of this movie, and it, it's very brief. Lacey Chabert is getting married. Jennifer Gardner is like her maid of honor slash like probably in some draft sister, but then that got left behind, but they never explained their relationship. Um, and her childhood love is Matthew McConaughey, but he's she can't be her sister though, because she's not Lacey Chabert has never met Matthew McConaughey and Ma- Matthew McConaughey, Breckenmeyer and Jennifer Gardner all grew up together. Yeah. It's unclear what their relationship is because she's not in her like group main group of friends, but she is her maid of honor. Very confusing. Right. Her main group of friends is the classic, I want to say like even earlier aughts than this, diversity, which is a blonde, a brunette, a redhead, and one woman of color. And then they make the woman of color the slut. Yeah. But the woman of color is the is uh the lead woman from my favorite Disney Channel original movie, Gotta Kick It Up. So like every single woman in this movie is 
a very funny comedic actress, Emma Stone, Lacey Chabert, Jennifer Garner, Noreen DeWolf. Every single and- one? Are we giving that honor to Christina Milian? Okay, fine. But she's like a cameo at best. She's basically playing herself. I mean, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Christina Milian is as troubled as her character, but I'm just saying like, she's playing like a, like a pop princess. To be fair, the movie opens with him abusing her and it's supposed to be funny. We'll get there. He's a photographer. Oh, sorry. Finish your point. I was just going to say like, maybe with the exception of Kristen Lillian, although like her recent foray into like Netflix original rom-coms, I do really enjoy. I did say like her showing up makes this a Christmas movie because there's almost no reference to Christmas, despite the fact that this is a uh, Christmas Carol, Christmas Carol knockoff, not knockoff. It it's referenced. I think the women in particular, I actually really like McConaughey and Douglas too. Their characters are abhorrent and we'll get there, but like they're enjoyable actors but the women are all like really appealing, interesting women to w- watch. Jennifer Garner, her first line, like out of her mouth, I was like, mm, I do really like Jennifer Garner. And gotcha. she makes this trash really funny. Um, I love Jennifer Garner. We are 13 going on 30 stands. I was recently in a Twitter fight because there was some article that came out that listed like the best romantic comedies of however long. And the picture was 13 going on 30. And some guy on Twitter was like, was like really 13 going on 30 Shakespeare and love is on this list. And I was like, <clears throat> I've been called a number one. Give me any scenario where Shakespeare and love is a romantic comedy. Also a shitty movie. The only reason it got Oscar attention is because it was a Weinstein movie, but I digress. Second of all, like 13 going on 30 has actual fucking jokes and is an actual fucking comedy. Whereas Shakespeare and love is just like, look at this sad man cheating on his wife. I, I can't. Anyway, men sometimes don't get that when humor is written for women, it's not for them, that it still is comedy. Right. Anyway, 13 going on in 30 is a great romantic comedy. This isn't, but I do love Jennifer Gardner. Yes. I just feel like, like we cast some really funny women and they elevate this. Like there are parts where I laugh. I actually found myself crying at this trash movie. Do we need to, what's going on this week? Do we need to talk? Well, I got, you? got a stomach bug from my child. So in the opening scene, uh, Matthew McConaughey plays like a celebrity photographer. He's fashion he's taking, photographer. Fashion photographer. He's taking pictures of Christina Milian for um, Vanity Fair. And she's like, comes out and she's like, Carrie said, a pop princess. And she like comes out in her wardrobe and he immediately starts taking her clothes off. Does not ask if she's, she's literally like, these are my clothes. What are you doing? so first he strips her against her will then he puts an apple on her head and has uh an olympic archer shoot it off her head to get like the look of fear in the picture so like first he strips her and then he does like a real tarantino i want the fear to be real uh picture and it's all played for laughs so i get that we're not supposed to take it that seriously but also like your opening scene of our of our hero who granted is supposed to be Scrooge. So I get that. I get, I'm going to caveat all my criticism of Matthew McConaughey with, I get that he's supposed to be a horrible person. I understand the story of a Christmas Carol. This movie doesn't make, doesn't do a good job of differentiating between horrible things we're supposed to be laughing at and horrible things we're supposed to be wanting him to change about himself. Right. There are good examples of, horrible people were supposed to be we just did the movie bachelorette i think a great example of horrible people you're not supposed to be emulating this movie does not do that well no a christmas carol a christmas carol in many of its iterations is a good version of here's a bad person who we're going to see change throughout the movie right scrooge was not a blatant abuser or a racist now i understand that scrooge was probably a racist so don't come at me but it's just it's not done great the problem with doing a christmas carol as a comedy which like it's been done it is capable of having a diva's christmas carol but it's hard to do that without also punching down and we've talked a lot on this podcast about like the movie's point of view versus the character's point of view. And I don't think that 
the movie's point of view is that this man is a good man. I don't think they're trying to, obviously, because it's a Christmas carol. Like the whole message of a Christmas carol is like, nobody is irredeemable, right? Like everybody should be offered the chance to redeem themselves. So that is what the movie's point of view is. But I also think the movie's point of view is that a man can be redeemed by a woman's love. And that is not ever a message that I think is played well in a rom-com. Well, and she spends, we see all this time of her, of Jennifer Gardner, like he basically like he's, his parents die when he's young. So he's damaged. We get it. He's raised by his uncle who might played by Michael Douglas. Who's dead. He's like the Marley character who uh, was a player and shitty to women and, and not a good parental figure. Um, and, and so he's like, hasn't been offered a chance. He, Jennifer Gardner, who's his childhood friend, they try and date. And I think they're early twenties. They're both in like very bad wigs. And as soon as right. And she like makes him court her and she like makes him, she like, you're not just going to sleep with me once and leave. And then when they finally do sleep together, he leaves. And so they stop talking until they show, they show up at this wedding. And so you see her like crying over him and upset over him a lot and the, it's sort of like oh women cry over shitty men and then men get redeemed in one night by doing one nice thing and then they're the hero again right which again i get that like a chris the story of a christmas carol are those parameters he has one night of three ghosts and then changes who he is but like scrooge went around and did a lot of good things like i don't know also like it's just an older movie it's not a comedy. Like, I think also one of the reasons maybe a diva's Christmas Carol works a little bit better for me is because I'm not asked to, for an hour and a half, empathize with a, with a mean, abusive white man. And then in 20 to 30 minutes, forgive him. It's like, okay, I'm going to watch, uh, Vanessa Williams. Thank you. My good friend, Vanessa. I'm going to watch Vanessa Williams like be like an obnoxious diva right and also like there's something different about it being a black woman where i'm like i immediately i understand there's her pain also better. something different about it being like she's it's sim- it's more similar to scrooge because it's like she's, she's a horrible business partner and she's greedy and miserly and she doesn't take care of the people who take care of her but it's not like this is like he is a horrible person to people he purports to care about. And he lies to women to get them into bed. So there's like a weird consent aspect and an abusive aspect. And there's some like pretty obvious, like child abuse that went on with like the way that he was raised, which like, then we make a joke about, I mean, part yeah, Emma of what Stone this makes movie... the joke of call child protective services. And I'm like, no, listen to ghost Emma Stone. Like part of what this movie tries to do is like, each of the ghosts are like the Greek chorus being like, this is not right. Or this is bad. Or like having the commentary, but then it's like, yeah, but it's still bad. And also all of the ghosts are women. So yet again, like he's having to be taught these lessons by women. Like this man is having to be saved by women as opposed to just being like a decent guy. Well, and two of them are women in his life. Like Emma Stone, it have, it's it's very funny. I enjoy Emma Stone. I think, yes, I think she's, she's very good. In she's this. very charming. I actually but wrote she, that I miss funny Emma Stone. Like I feel like too. we haven't seen like Emma Stone in a comedy in a while. She's been doing a lot of more like dramatic stuff. And then like now she's taking a break to have a baby. And and I can appreciate all of that. But like I do miss a comedic Emma Stone. Easy A is one of my favorite movies. It needs to be on this list. Um one of my favorite like teen rom-coms mm-hmm. um and i recently because i was coming home for thanksgiving so i had to play myself the back home ballers snl i was like i'm just gonna go down a hole and watch um wells for boys and wells for boys is hysterical i love me some emma stone but she plays um the girl he lost the teenager he lost his virginity to she is an adult playing a teenager in this movie which i think is the only way you can uh do it like set safety wise um and she's like dressed in 80s stuff and she's goofy and she has braces um 
and then his the ghost of Christmas present is his assistant. Um, so the first two are like women in his life. He I don't know that we can say he treated Emma Stone poorly. It seems like their first sexual encounter was pretty consensual and like teenage cuteness. Um, she doesn't seem harmed by it, but you're right. Like, but then it's like his assistant who he's bad to then has to go be like, I guess I have to go clean up this mess like that. And I get like, I am leaving a career of Hollywood assistanting, but I was like, I, I do not want to watch an assistant take care of her shitty boss. Like this Mm -hmm. is, I get it kind of a personal trigger, but I was like, I hate this. And to be fair, he never like one of the first lines she says is I believe in karma. And that's not coming from him. That's coming from the movie. They -hmm. gave the Indian woman the line. I believe in karma. And I didn't love it. Yeah. Uh, Really quick to go back to the Christina Milian scene. The thing that I think doesn't hold up in 21 because we're having a different conversation than we were having in 2009 is like watching this scene on the heels of like Free Britney and Red Taylor's version and some of the conversations, some of the conversations around like Ryan Adams and like all of that, like this, just like women in music and the understanding that we have of women in music now is like, that scene was really hard to watch, particularly when he said to her, like, you're hot. Um, but I'm not tone deaf and 12. So I don't listen to your music. Like we've seen so many women recently talk about how like their partners or their producers, like belittle their music because young women listen to it. And, Um, somehow like if young women listen to your music then it's not good music and we're not valuable like maybe it's not I don't know music theory maybe it's not like high concept music but why is it things that young women like automatically belittled and so like that line was that was a line that I felt like was the writers like that was the movie trying to be funny not like oh this guy sucks um and it was hard to hear in 2021, given the conversations we're having about women in music. It's almost the same thing as the 13 going on 30 isn't a good rom-com joke coming from a man. These things aren't for you. And Carrie right. just said What Hot American Summer isn't for her. She did not say it was bad comedy. In fact, she said it was good comedy. She said it's not for her. Why is it that men have such a hard time? doing that for things that women like right it's why is it that our stuff is bad because you don't like it it's just not for you sometimes things aren't for you right as emma stone says in wells for boys everything is for you this one thing is for him right um the other thing like here's the thing about john lucas and scott moore the writers of this movie like i don't did i'm not sure if i said this before we started recording um the other movies that they've written are like the bad mom series and the hangover series like the they like to write bro comedies with some like awful men and there's an extent to which i just feel like they i haven't seen the bad mom series but i have seen the hangover series and it's very funny there are things about it that are very funny but it is also enormously reductive to women like these are bad moms dudes who don't write women particularly well i think bad moms is an attempt to rectify that i have seen one and a half bad moms i i do enjoy the first one i don't think it's a good movie i think the first bad moms is funny and i like those women like i couldn't get through the second one the bad moms christmas um but it does have it has like a uh they're very sort of like stereotypical three different types of mothers. And so I think if we like went back and watched it critically, we would find problems. Yeah. Like one thing that I was really kind of over in this movie and granted the movie doesn't make her a bad person, but like Lacey Chabert is very much supposed to be like this bridezilla. And I, and and like kind of obnoxious even, but likable, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm kind of over the bridezilla trope. Like 
to me, it felt like this is a woman, like God forbid a woman be anxious about making this major commitment and throwing and hosting like a huge party and like God being a little it- bit anxious and and irrational and then her brother-in-law destroys her cake and she's supposed to have like a cool girl response to it yeah fuck no like i'm gonna murder you or even like like, i mean the first scene like where she's upset about the figs like i get that 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 is an overreaction but also like when people are anxious they overreact and like she is very much like i don't know i just like i it feels again very sort of like reductive and i know that rom-coms are that sometimes but but also good I was ones just kind of like, like eye roll, like eye roll at that being who the bride is. Also what it felt like to me, and maybe it's just because it was Lacey Chabert, but it was also Mark Waters. So what it felt like to me was what if Gretchen Wieners was getting married? Yeah. And I'm like, I want more for Lacey Chabert. Gretchen Wieners is a fantastic comedic character. Gretchen Wieners will go down in history as a great, well, maybe not because men write history and Mean Girls is a story about five women. So who knows? But uh, like Gretchen Wieners is one of the top comedic characters of our growing up. Lacey Chabert can probably do other things. She's also Eliza Thornberry. Girls got range. Like why are I, it felt like, and maybe it was just because she's playing both parts, but it just, it there was something she did. Maybe it was the fig scene where I was like, this is just my father, the inventor of toaster strudel wouldn't be too <laughs> pleased to hear about this except not as well-written, so therefore not as funny. Like, if we're going to do that to her, give her a different character so she can find the funny in that. Right. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, um, marriage is an archaic and oppressive institution. Yeah. To women! For women, not cishet white men. Like, what? And I say that as a woman in a marriage. Like, I chose to be in a marriage, but I can also recognize that it's an institution that in many ways is archaic and originally was designed to oppress women yes and there are still like within the like as an institution I think you have to work very hard for it not to be that but not for for a cishet white man like that's not that that's not for you bro like it's not archaic and oppressive to you you're archaic and oppressive to women so like marriage is meant for you yeah and he doesn't like switch enough on like there's not enough of an understanding of oh I'm a sexist which makes me wonder if the movie doesn't have enough of an understanding of oh he's a sexist like it does like it but it's also like we're not really reckoning with that he's not really like I need to really look deep in myself and try and be a better person and like I I it again maybe it's the assistant boss of it all but I I I have such, I, I believe in redemption. I believe people can change. I think what men expect is a quick apology. And this is in real life. This is my soapbox. If I apologize, people should forgive me. And that is not what, and then when we don't, everyone says the world's gotten too harsh. It's all just cancel culture. Now I'm not trying to cancel literally anyone. What I would love is for men who behave like this to step back do the work, realize their shortcomings and the ways they have wronged people and then work to be better and not do it again. Right. And again, this is a movie in pre me too era, but also maybe me too came way too late. And the end of this movie is he does one nice thing. He gets his uh, brother and his sister-in-law back together so they can get married and then apologizes to Jennifer Gardner and gets forgiven And it does sort of fit into this narrative that if a man does a nice thing and apologizes, then all is forgiven. Right. And typically what abusers do is one day they'll be really, really nice to you and you'll be the most amazing person in the world. And the next day you'll be a piece of shit who can't do anything right. And so I have a hard time being like, well, he turned nice on the swings at the end. And then I'm supposed to fall in love with him, especially in a movie where he's been abusive towards his assistant. Again, I I realize this is a very personal trigger thing for me, but it just like, especially because it's a Hollywood movie and it's Hollywood men writing this. And this is what men in Hollywood expect. Right. And I, and I, 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 I don't have the patience for it. I think the other thing is like, we don't, we don't get the Christmas Carol epilogue of like, you know, like, 
we see, like you said, we see him do several kind things, like charitable things, not just things that serve himself. Like yeah, Scrooge win doesn't over. get a girl in the end. Right. Right. Yeah. There's something like self-serving about his redemption in this that is not true in a Christmas Carol. Right. Like, and then we get this epilogue in a Christmas Carol. That's like, he, he made good on his word, right? He was the kindest, most generous person up until the day he died. Like we needed a little bit more. And we do get the scene of like him saving the wedding and photographing the wedding, which he said he was never going to do. Like we get these moments and there is something selfless about like doing this thing for his brother. Who's been the only person he's the like nephew Freddie character because he's the only person that sort of like holds out hope for him. Um, but, um, so like we get nuggets of it, but it just doesn't quite go far enough. And I think again, like maybe the premise is a little bit flawed or maybe a lot bit flawed because it's fundamentally different from a Christmas Carol or a diva's Christmas Carol or any other like iteration, a hundred iterations of a Christmas Carol that we've seen where that one episode of Boy Meets World, right. Where it's a, where like the change is not self-serving the chain well it is in the sense that you're not going to end up in chains but like it's in your lifetime deeds right in your lifetime it's not self-serving right like giving away your money is not self-serving in your lifetime and being a better business partner being a better boss like that's different than like being like winning over the girl also you bring up a good point we don't ever see Michael Douglas in chains and we don't need to, I, this is an adaptation, but we don't ever, Michael Douglas routinely says, don't end up like me, but we never see the evidence of how that's affected him in the afterlife. Like when Marley shows up in chains. Mm -hmm. So we don't, there is no, there is no adaptation of the chains. There is no, why do we believe Michael Douglas when he says that's not a life to be lived? We don't see the consequence of his actions. In fact, he continues to hit on women in the afterlife, including the final joke of this movie is him hitting on Emma Stone and her saying, and again, I understand that Emma Stone was an adult actress, but the character says, I'm 16, and he follows her out. We close out this movie on a pedophilia joke. Yeah. (laughs) And... So like, let's see, let's see how, how miserable he is in the afterlife. Cause all we're right. getting is Michael Douglas, like telling us, but we don't telling not- us and still being like funny. It's Michael Douglas being a player. Like I wrote down, like, God forbid anything happens to you. I will raise Ben and Theo in this image. I will not, <laughs> I will raise them in the exact opposite. of this image. But like, I just like, we're like touching on the, this movie treats a Christmas carol the way it treats Christmas. It's like, it's there. Don't worry. We recognize it. But then it forgets about it. Right. Yeah. There's also something like, I, I don't love the idea or like the concept of like the two op, this like dichotomy of like your two options in life are true love and marriage or insufferable jackass. Like, I don't think those are the only two options. Like somehow, like if he doesn't find love, like all is like, it just, I don't know. Yeah. I need to talk with you and or my therapist about this ghost of Christmas future scene where he, no one comes to his funeral because he was single. I get that it was also because he was a bad person, but they keep being like, well, you never find love. So nobody's here. I was like, I'm just trying to watch a Christmas movie. I am not trying to have an existential crisis about the fact that my life will be meaningless if I never find love. It didn't, it was not. I mean, I think like there, like, again, like this movie just doesn't go far enough because the message is, you know, like the Christmas Carol message is like, you need to find love in the sense of like, you need to love thy neighbor and you need to be kind to your employees and, and, be a good friend and be a good uncle and be a good, you know, in this movie, like be a good brother. Like that is the message, but this movie doesn't quite flush that out enough. And I think that they're relying really hard on like the McConaughey Brecken Meyer relationship to get at that. And, and instead, like it's almost too much focused on the Jennifer Garner McConaughey relationship. And I get it. It's a rom-com. That's what we're doing. But then it becomes this like, well, you have to get married or you're going to be miserable and alone. 
fall into a grave. <laughs> it's like, wow, this it's, I mean, when I watched this, it was a Friday morning. This was, it was too much existential crisis for a Friday morning. Yeah. <gasps> I did like the bracket. Like I, I believed, and I think it's because McConaughey is a decent actor. I believed that the one person he loved was Breck Meyer. Like I think yeah. he did a good job of acting that like love and care for his brother. I was just sort of with everyone else. And I was sort of like, that doesn't fix the other things. Right. Like, like people who do bad things also have people they genuinely love that doesn't just because you treat one person kindly does not absolve you, absolve you of how you've treated other people. You have to not to call out my queen and hero, Dakota Johnson, who recently gave an interview and said that like Johnny Depp, and uh what's his face who's the guy who um allegedly may have eaten people allegedly 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 oh, just cut Army it out hammer it was like johnny depp and army hammer and some other maybe shia labeouf don't quote me on that like three men who have claims of abuse or the like against them and she gave an interview and the headline was a little misleading misleading i don't think that what she said was as awful as the headline claimed but basically what she said was like they always treated me well in working situations and the implication whether she meant it or not was that what people read that is is so that they then can't have done these things to other women and I'm not convinced that's what she was saying but also like I believe they treated her well I believe they were decent co-workers and also that doesn't mean they didn't then harm right. other women in their life life like I think there's a lot being asked. You're right. There's a lot being asked of that brother relationship to be like, look, he is a good person. And it's like, yes, but he's still responsible for the way he treats other people. Right. No person is not, nobody is a good person or a bad person. We all contain multitudes and we're responsible for how we treat everybody in our life. Right. Yeah. Um, man, does this movie think calling women feminine is just a hilarious joke sissy talk not that sissy talk oh yeah yeah like he's just talking about how he loves his fiance i don't think that i think that's what in fact fellas is it gay to love a woman um literally i'm a there's a line that says i'm a fag let's be friends in the year of our lord 2009 we knew that was a slur we knew not to see that word in 2009 and again like they're putting all of like sissy talk at some point somebody says fruity stuff the f word like it's all coming out of either mcconaughey before he's redeemed or michael douglas the uncle wayne character in the flashbacks like in the christmas past but it's (laughs) we've talked about this before like point of view is important but also like do we need to hear it like is it necessary like could you have told us these two people suck without punching down Well, and it's also like, again, I understand that sometimes we put slurs in the mouths of characters we're supposed to be showing you are bad people. I get that. I I believed they were bad people without being homophobic. And also this movie contains not a a gay person at all, let alone a well-represented gay person. It contains one joke on a trans person. Um, That's not a good, that's an offensive joke. It's not, they literally bring in an actor to do a shitty trans joke. And then you're going to add on top of that sissy talk, the F word and all of the other stuff. You don't, you don't get to use homophobia to show us people are bad. If your movie is not going to not also be a little bit homophobic. Right. Or transphobic or like you gotta, you can't use it when it's convenient to you and push it away when it's not helpful. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and there is a joke like when McConaughey's sitting at the bar and the bartender's like watching him convince one of the bridesmaids to sleep with him. And the bartender's like, that was amazing the way you did that. Like, does it work on men? And McConaughey's like, yeah, probably. And like, doesn't like there's no like it's very I that joke. Yes, I did too, because there's there's no like question. He's just like, yeah, probably like there's I no don't judgment. know, but like, right. And and it was like, you can, like, you can show us this character is a bad guy and also show us that he's 
like in some ways, not a homophobe. Like we don't need the other stuff. We just don't need it. And it's, and it's again, like abusive and reductive to even have it in your movie, like to even say it, it can be traumatic for those populations. So don't, you just don't take, don't need it. Take it out. It's not necessary in this movie. It's all the stuff that's like, tell me you don't have a single gay person in a position to speak on, to like right. put, give input on this movie without telling me you don't. Like, we get it. We get it. I like, I need to understand why Matthew McConaughey's Texas accent is as strong as ever. Brecken Myers isn't there. And the child who plays young Matthew McConaughey growing up in New England also, like where, I mean... Just, I understand Matthew McConaughey can't do accent work. He can only be Matthew McConaughey. I feel like we talked about this in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days when he's like, I'm from Long Island. And it was like, no, you're not. <laughs> I Just make his character from Texas if he cannot lose the accent. It drove me crazy. Yeah, I, I generally like McConaughey. I don't really remember what I said about him in t- ten, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, but I think like generally I said he was appealing. It's a much better rom-com than this. Yeah, this performance did not work for me. Like I, I, first of all, you know, he's playing a horrible human being. So like that's hard to connect with, but also his performance really pulled me out of the movie. Like it was very hard for me to get past like the McConaughey of it all because of, you know, because he's using his own voice and not, that's not matching up to like from Texas. <laughs> any of the what we know about this character. And he's just like very, you know, he's very McConaughey in this, which he I always literally- is. But like, meanwhile, he's surrounded by like pretty interesting performances in an otherwise kind of bleak movie. And so his performance was almost like a little jarring because it kept pulling me out. Like, I thought Garner did a really good job. I again, I thought Brecken Meyer and Lacey Chabert were both great. I thought Emma Stone was really funny. I think Noreen DeWolf is hysterical. But so then, like, we'd cut to McConaughey, and I'd be like, ah, "Oh, right, we're watching a movie. Like, it's McConaughey trying to be a bad guy. Like, I don't know. It just didn't. It, it I, it, it would, it did not work for me. Um, yeah, he just like, I don't know if maybe McConaughey is suffering from that like very famous yeah like that very big actor thing of like and also like I think McConaughey is I I think he's maybe not a good enough actor to overdo it and also like there's so many things which is like I, I like McConaughey in a lot of things I think sometimes he's well cast I think here he was not but like we don't ever talk about like Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep or like Viola Davis being too, or like Denzel Washington or Julia Roberts or Jennifer like those, Gardner or Jennifer Gardner those are actors who are all like very very famous that we never really talk about being in their roles being like too famous for their thing and even like I was about to say that like maybe McConaughey's thing is that his voice is so distinct but like Denzel Washington has like a very specific like way of speaking yeah and we never talk about those actors as like too famous for their roles and I think it's just that like they're better actors like so like literally at some point in this movie he said the word all right and I was like I'm out like right I you know what you're doing you know like it's this isn't a meta movie so we're I don't know I just it's hard to watch McConaughey try and act in any way that isn't like a very specific role yeah. And this wasn't it because I yeah. don't think he's as good of actor as a Tom Hanks or a Meryl Streep or a Denzel Washington or a Jennifer no. Gardner. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that, again, going back to sort of like why this premise didn't work for me or this, because con- like I, the concept is good. Like I like a modern retelling of a Christmas Carol, like the first time that he and Emma Stone like go back in time, I was like, "This is fun." There's fun. there's something fun about this concept, but I we think took part- way too long to get there. We took way too long to get there. I think the other thing, and we've talked about like you know a Christmas Carol businessy kind of stuff versus like love, but the other thing that didn't work is like we set up this whole relationship between him and his uncle that is 
abuse it, if we, we call it out, we make jokes about it. Then we get this Brecken Meyer speech. That's basically like my brother was adultified at a young age. He suffered all of this trauma. Like he is deeply damaged and troubled because of the trauma and the adultification that he suffered as a child. And Much it's like, but better put by you there than it is by Brecken Meyer. But right. Fine. But it's like, okay. And we're trying to, we're trying to tell this story in a rom-com. Like it just is like, this kind of like jarring tonal shift where it's like, I'm not sure how we're supposed to make that funny because then also like McConaughey never like reconciles with the fact that he was traumatized as a child. Like he reconciles with the fact that like the way that's played out is that he's shitty to women, but like we don't get any recognition from him that like, Oh, my uncle really, and my, the death of my parents really fucked up the way that I enter into relationships And again, it's a rom-com. So like, I don't necessarily want that in a rom-com, but then like, why are we even touching on it in the first place? And maybe it's, we go back to like, this whole concept is flawed. And here we are back as we always do back at our rom-com characters need to go to therapy. Right. Right. Yeah. I wish the ending of this movie, I would have been so much more satisfied as the ending of this movie was Jennifer Gardner being like, I'm so glad you had this experience. I'm so glad this all seems to be genuine. You're going to get yourself into an intensive program. And if on the other side of that, you still want to be with me, then we can talk about it then. And like, if I'm I'm going to keep living my life and if I fall in love with the hot fashion designer from Devil Wears Prada slash the medical examiner from Law & Order SVU, Slash, he was also on a USA show. I will never learn this actor's name. He's just the hot guy from those things. He briefly then, did Bailey on Grey's Anatomy too. Sorry, in case you in case you didn't think I could draw it back to Grey's Anatomy, hundred percent knew you could. Sorry to her husband. She should have. All women should end up with this guy, the hot fashion designer from Devil Wears Prada. You should know his name if we're gonna yell about him. Um. Yes, like her response needs to be like, I'm going to keep living my life. So I can't promise. I'm not going to wait for you while you go through this intensive therapy because this doctor is nice, seems like a good person and uh, seems to have already done the work on himself. Daniel Sunyata, mm-hmm. his name. That is I have, his name. I have watched this man and I can't tell you how many things. Tens, twenties of things. I don't think with a gun to my head, I could have pulled the name Daniel Sunyata out of my ass. No, and I've now that you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is his name. I've heard that name before. One day we'll come across him in another rom-com and we'll do this exact same thing. We have immediately classic. I mean, he's not classic character actor guy because he doesn't look like a character actor. He looks like a leading man, but he is a character actor in the sense of like, he's been in everything. Like I bet he's got like a hundred plus credits on IMDb. But happy to tell you, could not tell you his name. He's like, it's like, oh, that guy from a million things I've seen. 46. He has 46 credits on IMDb. Okay. <gasps> so. Including a Christmas, a TV Christmas movie. Yeah. Maybe for the Patreon. Dina, the bridesmaid Dina, the redhead. She's like lifetime Christmas movie staple. She's been I, in literally a hundred Christmas movies. I mean, so is like Lacey Chabert now. Yeah. Like this movie had a real like. Lifetime Christmas movie esqueness to it. Yes. Oh, now I just want to watch him in Devil Wears Prada. Um, I we talked about this. Was it just our last movie? Was he's just not that into you? We've never watched He's Just Not That Into You, Carrie. How to be single. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was like, is this it? Am I having a stroke? And we did, and I forgot. Are you having a stroke? No, he's just not. No, crap. No. What is it? How to be? Single. How to be single? No, that was two movies ago. Our last one was waiting to exhale. Oh, that's right. Okay, so how to be single? We talked about how like a lot of the rom com tropes were sort of flipped on their head, and like the um, Allison Brie character like doesn't go with like the shitty guy that she's changed. She goes with like the nice guy who's been committed to her from the beginning and who she really loves and likes and like has a normal relationship with. And I wanted, like, I wanted that outcome for Jennifer Gardner in this, even though I knew we weren't going to get it. I wanted her to be like, no, I'm going to go with like the nice hot doctor guy. Who's like been like a nice committed guy from this, from jump and not like the shitty guy who I had to change. It's very rare in a rom-com that I'm rooting for the couple to not get together, but that's what was happening here. I also just imagined being Jennifer Gardner's friend. 
and hearing her be like, I'm leaving the hot doctor and I am going to make it work with Matthew McConaughey. Like you'd be like immediate intervention. Like, no, you are not. You are not going back to this horrible man until he like, I just imagine being poor. Lacey Chabert needed to intervene. That's what I will say. But she was too grateful that he'd gotten her wedding back together. Right. We got Krista Miller as Jennifer Gardner again, always. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There wasn't a ton about this movie that I enjoyed. I, again, I thought like Emma Stone was very funny. I liked a lot of what she was doing. I found Jennifer Gardner very appealing. I think she's a fantastic actress. I think she moves very well between like funny and vulnerable. And I think like, it doesn't matter what dialogue you put in her mouth. Like she plays it off well. Um, in Greece, and there are so many movies I can watch those women in that aren't this. Oh, cool. I'm gonna go right. watch UVA. Telling you like the, the same things, energy. the things that I did like about this movie. Um, I love you know like a a movie that takes place at a wedding. We've talked about that. I love a rom com based at a wedding in a big chalet and it's snowing. Beautiful, love it. Yes, this had it was Shades of uh, Twelve Dates of Christmas. Season two yeah. is out now, and I will be watching. Yes. Um, there were moments I laughed. I did cry. When I'm, I'm going to need you to describe to me the exact moment you cry. I cried when he's talking to Lacey Chabert, when McConaughey is trying to get Chabert, Lacey Chabert to come back to her wedding. Um, I did not muster the emotion for that, but I am happy I, for you. I am not proud of it, but it happened. Um, so, was, you, know, I, you know what had happened? It when elicited guys an left, emotional response. Here's, here's why I couldn't muster any emotion. One, because I, I just don't think this movie would have done it for me in any case. But um, on the day I watched this, you guys left to go to Louisville to visit your in-laws. And while we were getting ready to do that, I put on Inside Out for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we, we left and we put the kids in the car and I came back in and dad was still watching Inside Out. So I sat down to watch it with him. And mom was like, well, we should all watch this together sometime. And then never left the room. And not 10 minutes later, were there three fully grown adults audibly weeping gasping for air i forgot i was like i know i cry at inside out i forgot ping pong. was it ping pong of course i remembered i <laughs> i knew i cried at bing bong but i forgot why and uh-huh. so when he sacrifices himself to get joy back out of the forgotten memories place and she doesn't realize it but you know he's done it and then he are you okay? <laughs> Take her to the moon really fucking destroys me. It's also near. Yeah. It's not a movie I should watch with any regular. It's like that and Coco. Like I cannot think about Mama Coco singing Remember Me without. <laughs> this is an audio medium, guys. She's literally like, I cannot get her shit together. Like a laugh cry is happening. Cannot decide whether to weep or to cry. Immediately after Bing Bong sacrifices himself, we go into a whole thing about how joy can't exist without sadness and how important sadness is. Inside Out is a movie about severe depression. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with my dad, both of us who are depressed people, just like watching this movie talk about how we find joy alongside pain and sadness. Like, me, a 32-year-old woman, and him, a 70-year-old man, are gasping for air. Anyway, so by the time I got to this movie, I was like, I got straight nothing left. <laughs> That's fair. You were emotionally spent. I get it. I get it. So Inside Out is a significantly better movie. Than- <laughs> well, sure, but not a rom-com, so we're not here to talk about that movie today. Are you okay? Could you, like, pull it together? I will be. Jesus Christ. Take her to the moon for me, Joy. Um, I have oh! a note. I have a note that says, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> we'll get there. What what did you- I also remember writing that note and thinking to myself, I should give myself more details because I'm not sure I'll remember that what I'm talking about. And then and then the like devil on my shoulder was like, no, you'll you'll be fine. You'll definitely remember what you were talking about. Could not tell you what that was in reference to. Um, I have I wouldn't marry, but then I didn't finish writing it. So I think I mean Breckenmeyer, probably also uh, Matthew McConaughey. 
I got nothing else about this movie. I'm spent. Yeah, it's bad. I'm I'm really bummed that we were like for the last two years we've been like we're gonna watch all the good Christmas rom coms and now here we are left with the dregs. What are we watching? No, we've got a good one coming up next. What's what are we, we watching, have, Carrie? Aren't we watching Elf next? Oh no, Elf's in two weeks. Yeah. Four weeks because we do every other week. No, no. I mean, we can switch them. Do you want to? Do you want to bookend our Christmas? Because Why, next we time we're next? watching Surviving Christmas. Oh no, it is a good one. Surviving also, Christmas because, is a terrible movie that is kind of really funny. Also, because we're doing like an Affleck Garner back to back. Yeah. Join us in two weeks for Surviving Christmas. It's a hot mess of a movie from what I remember, but it'll be a good time talking about it. Where can people find us, Allison? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. You can subscribe to our Patreon because in a couple weeks we'll have our Patreon episode where we're going to watch all three princess switches. Um, so we're doing it for you. Sign up and listen. Um, I but was as I started this movie, I texted Carrie. This isn't a good movie. I do think it will make a fun episode. And I feel that about the three princess switches. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about surviving Christmas. How much hey, movie? A, it's going to be what great a fun, fun month. It's going to be. We're going to end it with Elf at the end of December. Yeah. Um, we're going to close it out on a high note, but we'll have yeah. some fun in the interim. And if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, you, Carrie, we will put it in the show notes, and you can pick a tier. We're also going to be back on the three Gossip Girls podcast that we've been on before. Um, we're talking about the hundredth episode um which if you've watched is Blair's wedding um so join us for that that'll be a really fun conversation check out their podcast they also have started their fourth um podcast under their network total Betty media and it is Friday they're re-watching Friday Night Lights I'm um, so excited because it's gonna get Carrie to watch Friday Night Lights yes so I mean, definitely check out, check out total Betty media bye bye